When famine came to be felt throughout all Egypt, and the people appealed to Pharaoh for food, and he asked them to go to Joseph. Etia Joseph. Book of Genesis, chapter 41, verse 55. One attitude of adolescent boys that at times irks parents and teachers is their occasional penchant to daydream. The mind seems to wander when it needs to be attentive. Being around 17, Joseph was no exception. He was a dreamer. His namesake, Joseph, the patriarch in the Old Testament, was also a dreamer as a young man. His dreams eventually aroused the anger and jealousy of his brothers. In the book of Genesis, we read, They said to each other, Here comes that dreamer. Let us kill him. Then we shall see what will become of his dreams. St. Joseph was quite a dreamer. Three times in the Gospels, he receives a message from an angel in a dream. Now, when an angel appeared to Mary, he did sort of face to face. But St. Joseph received his messages in his dreams. What courage for that young man to act on those dreams, especially when he had to physically protect his wife and her child, not only in rowdy Bethlehem, but also as he fled the bloodthirsty tyrant Herod. No wonder St. Joseph today is the patient and protector of all families. In the book of Genesis, there's recorded the story of Joseph, the beloved son of Jacob, who was sold into slavery by his jealous half-brothers and ended up in jail in Egypt. When he miraculously interpreted a dream for Pharaoh, Joseph was let out of prison and made Lord over Egypt, functioning in the way of a prime minister. When a seven when a severe seven years famine came over the world, drying up in a desert, once fruitful and fertile lands, Egypt was alone among countries to have bread and grain. The Bible says the whole world came to Egypt to buy grain. And the people appealed to Pharaoh for bread. What then did Pharaoh do? He commanded all his Egyptian subjects and all the foreigners alike, go to Joseph. And Joseph opened for them the granaries of Egypt. Many years later, there came along another Joseph. It was with this young man, whom the Bible calls just that God entrusted Mary 
and her divine child. Joseph was placed in many a difficult situation, almost impossible situation. All of which he faced with courage and noble faith. St. Joseph has always been invoked by the people in the church as a strong and caring intercessor, especially when he regards the poor and children. The great St. Teresa of Avila named her first convent after him. She wrote of St. Joseph in her autobiography, I do not recall up to this day ever having petitioned him for anything that he failed to grant. It was an amazing thing, the great many favors God has granted me through the mediation of this blessed saint, the dangers I was freed from, both of body and soul. Once St. Teresa was told by our blessed Lord to build a new monastery, although he did not give her any money to do it with. They disappeared. St. Joseph appeared and instructed her to go ahead and hire the workmen nonetheless. She hired them without a penny to her name. But by the time they had finished, she received all the money she needed. A similar story is told by Mother Angelica when they were coming up to her, her convent for the money for the, the station and all the tantalites. She didn't have any. She prayed to St. Joseph, and the telephone rang with the money. Well into the 19th century, a group of nuns founded a mission near Santa Fe in New Mexico. They had a chapel built with a choir loft, but due to a lack of funds, did not build a staircase to the choir loft. Having no money, they made a novena to St. Joseph. On the last day of the novena, an itinerant worker came to the door looking for work. He was dressed poorly, and his possessions included a burrow and an old toolbox. The buried man wasn't much for conversation, so he dispensed with introductions and got right to the point. He had heard that they needed some stairs built, and he could do that. When he looked the chapel over, he told the superior, Mother Magdalene, that he could do the job, but that he would have to be left alone. He locked the chapel and remained locked for three months until the work was finished. When the chapel was reopened, the nuns and the citizens of the town saw a beautifully built spiral staircase and this, from the floor to the choir loft. However, they noticed there was no external support which such staircases required. In theory, it is impossible for this staircase to stand. The people also noticed other strange things. There's not one nail or screw in the entire staircase. Stringers and wood dowels were used to piece together 
There's the staircase that made two 360-degree turns. The stringers could only be duplicated today by sophisticated measuring devices and power tools in the hands of a team of carpenters and engineers. Yet according to the written report of Mother Magdalene, the itinerant handyman had with him only a couple of hammers, a T-square, a chisel, and a very old and strange-looking saw. The wood out of which the staircase had been built was examined. It was not a hardwood found anywhere in New Mexico. He had no wood with him when he arrived at the convent. Lumber suppliers in the area claimed that he had ordered no wood from them. And even if he did, they couldn't provide it. Today, experts are puzzled by the wood, although some have said that it is native to the Holy Land. Who was this mysterious man? After he had finished his work, he notified Mother Magdalene. When the sisters arrived at the freshly swept chapel, they found him, the burrow, and the tools gone. They searched and inquired after him, but no one had seen him in the area. The sisters, however, began to realize who the carpenter was, and they gave thanks to St. Joseph for his splendidly wrought staircase. Today, if you maybe you have been already, if you go out to New Mexico, Santa Fe, to visit the, stair, the staircase, which is now uh, state took it over, it's now a, a shrine, a state historical site. I used to give uh, Mother Teresa at visiting uh, a soup kitchen in Los Angeles, run by the Catholic Worker Movement, and. She was very pleased with what we were doing to feed the poor. So she praised them. And then they told us some bad news. The person who owned the property they were leasing from wanted it back. And so they tried to raise the money by raffles and things like that. They couldn't. And so mother said, oh, have you tried St. Joseph?" They said, oh, no. I said, try this. She said, get a note and put on the note, you need the money, how much money you need, and go up and attach it to a statue of St. Joseph. Then say a prayer to St. Joseph. Now, the story was in the Washington Post. And they said the, the young man who was the head of the Catholic Worker Movement in that area said, this didn't sound very much like Vatican II theology, but Mother said to do it, so we did it. And by the end of the week, they received all the money they needed. I used to give retreats to the Carmelite Sisters of the Divine Heart of Jesus in St. Louis, Missouri. They are a group of nuns who do social work. They run prison ministry, home for the elderly, uh, however, they maintain their monastic life and wear the full habit. When I was telling them about, 
I said, so St. Joseph, it was Wednesday. So I tell him about St. Joseph and the sisters in New Mexico and about Mother Teresa. And so they, they told me, when they took me to the airport, they were going to try something because they want to build a daycare, daycare center. They, they have a home for, home for the elderly. They were, one of the things would, would be that we have a daycare center, and then they, uh, during the day the kids could have grandparents, and the grandparents could have, the elderly could have um, children, grandchildren. So they, they worked on that, prayed, made a petition to St. Joseph. And I instructed them, they put a note and climbed up. It was a, the, the statue was high in the chapel. They climbed up the ladder, and the provincial attached it to the statue. A month went by, two months, six months, no money. And so the provincial decided that God didn't want them to do that work. Then she said she got a, a call from a wealthy industrialist in, in St. Louis. And... He said, uh, Mother Mary Rose, are you still any plans for that daycare center? And she said, oh, no, we've given up all our plans because we just can't read the money. I said, oh, that's too bad. Because I'm having dreams every night of this. She said, do you think God's trying to tell me something? And she said, yes. <laughs> it's built now. On Wednesdays, I used to go, I go to the missionary of the charity contemplatives in the South Bronx. And um, I, was, I was giving a retreat to the, that branch of the missionary of the charity in New York City, in, 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 in the South Bronx. And so when I got to the airport, um, they, they greeted me. But instead of asking me, how was your plight? They said, can you fix an organ? I said, no. I can play an organ, but I can't fix one. Oh, they have a, uh, an or- little organ and was and being broke. And they don't have any money, so they can't afford to fix it. So I started the retreat. Wednesday came, and I gave us talks in St. Joseph. And uh, then I t- told the sisters, you know, uh, if he if he can build, St. Joseph can build a staircase for the nuns in New Mexico, and he can build a, a daycare center for the Carmelites, the Divine Heart Jesus, why can't he build, take care of your, your, your organ? So they took me up on it, and they, the, uh, the business of novices came out with a big statue of St. Joseph, Place it on top of the organ, and then asked me to say a prayer, say a prayer to Saint Joseph, and we sang the hymn, "Dear Guardian of Mary." And later in the afternoon, I was in my room that I had there, and I wish I wrote my conferences. The doorbell rang. A nun goes to the door, and a voice says. I hear you have a broken organ. He says, I've come to fix it. So he fixed it. 
Now, I've told this story to people, and they said, well, did you go out to see who it was? No, no, I mean, <laughs> I was so stunned by it, I, I didn't. Uh, but it was fixed. Then I went back to, um, to Washington, to, and then I visit uh, next Wednesday to the sisters, the contemplatives. And I, I, I went there, and then um, there was a, a um, rather large um, black woman in this, in the, near, near the altar, crying. And so I, I noticed her, but I kept doing my talk, and I, I kept, she was bothering me. So, and then there was, was motioning to me, motioning this look for her. So I, I, um, so I stopped, and I said, what's the matter? She was a single mother. She had uh, given uh, a, 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 a some ex, some apartment, uh, cheap apartment, but she, it was an apartment nonetheless. But then the the the, uh, the, um, the guy who ran the apartment, the landlord, was dishonest, and threw her out. Here, she and her child, her boy. She was out in the, in the cold. And uh, so they wanted, sisters wanted something, something for her. So I stopped, and they brought out a statue of St. Joseph. And we said a prayer to St. Joseph. And we sang the hymn, the Guardian of Mary. Then uh, I had to go home that time. I was in, living in Michigan. My home was in Michigan then, that time. And then I um, came back on the Wednesday. And the sister who answered the door said, That woman's looking for you. She wants to become a Catholic. Mary Berry, Lake Mary Berry, um, who was known for um, his love for the poor, found out about her plight. And made that landlord, made him give her the house. <laughs> so she got the house free. <laughs> so she wants to become a Catholic. Go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. I am. Um, actresses were, were our teenagers. Sometimes, once a month go. They do care, take care of the unwed mothers. Every Christmas, they assemble gifts for the children. And this one Christmas, they ran short. This was about uh, on Christmas Eve. They found out about it, and they uh, that they're, they're short, and uh, so they decided they'd have to. Go to Joseph. And so on, on Christmas Eve, they prayed to St. Joseph that somehow he could multiply the gifts. At about seven or eight that night, the doorbell rang. A man, looked like an itinerant, was standing at the door, and he asked the sister, Get your superior. So she got the superior. When the superior came back, no one was there. But there was a big bag of gifts. After Christmas, they called every department store 
in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. No record of any such purchase. More close to home, Mother Magella Berg, before she would retire, had one last thing to do for Marymount, and that was enlarge it, expand it. This is the Washington Post. So she went, she, I had her eye on property on Route 7 in Loudoun County. The trouble was the Board of Supervisors had some anti-Catholic people on there that would not agree to the construction. But she was still determined. So she knew when we meet an uh, obstacle, go to Joseph. And she did. She got a statue of St. Joseph, went up to the property, buried it there. And I know this is very controversial. Some people think it's awful. But Mother Teresa does that. So Mother Burke buried the statue of St. Joseph. And now, if you travel out to land uh, to Dulles Airport, around you'll see Marymount University. Go to Joseph. St. Joseph, like all the Old Testament saints, when they died, went to the limber of the just until the sacrifice of the cross was accomplished and the gates of heaven were opened. When Christ died, according to the creed, he descended to hell, the hell of the just. And at that time, there were some premonitions that it has been accomplished. And so all the people are, are, are um, talking about that. And he comes, and the first person he meets is Joseph. Joseph goes up to Jesus. And what was the first thing that Jesus asked, that Joseph asked him? How's your mother, son? How's your mother? In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Ghost, Amen.